I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Yesterday, too, the flowers are dying like all things do. Follow me close. I'm going to Ballynally. I'll lose my mind if you don't come with me. I fuss with my hair, and I fight blood feuds. I contain multitudes. Got a telltale heart like Mr. Poe. Got skeletons in the wall of people you know. I'll drink to the truth and the things we said. I'll drink to the man that shares your bed. I paint landscapes, and I paint nudes. I contain multitudes. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Freewheel and Rob Kelly. And once again, Tara, you're back for yet another new Bob Dylan song. He's, Yay! <laughs> he's dropping them faster than we can record episodes. Holy. <laughs> I, I, I think this is going to be one a month for the whole of the lockdown. Do you I... think? <laughs> It certainly He's seems trying like, to keep his, all his fans going. That certainly seems to be the case. Yes, of course. Yes, uh, Tara Zook is back to talk about yet another new Bob Dylan song. Just barely, what, three weeks after Murder Most Foul, mm-hmm. and now he's back with another song, I Contain Multitudes, which, uh, before we even talk about the song, Tara, I do want to discuss a little bit about the context of how he dropped this one, because this song seemed to be released with a hell of a lot less fanfare. Uh, right. I mean, on, on BobDylan.com on Twitter, around 11 o'clock at night on Thursday, he had, you know, not he, but I mean, whoever runs his account just put up a hashtag that said, I'd contain multitudes. And of course, that sent all Bob fans into a tizzy. What, what does that mean? And then 10 minutes later, here's this new song, but there's no message from Bob. It was it was a lot less ceremony than Murder right. Moe's Foul. And what do you make of that? What do you think that why this second song seemed to kind of just be like, oh, yeah, here's another song as opposed to Murder Moe's Foul, <laughs> where it was like a kind of a much bigger deal was made of it. Oh, who knows? But I think was it even? you who pointed out that this might be the first time uh, Bob Dylan's official account has hashtagged? Uh, no, that like, was not me. That was somebody else. But yeah, I mean... It Bob, was somebody else. Okay. Yeah. It might have been on your thread, I think, when you were posting about songs somebody said. Yeah, I, I really don't know. This one, it's funny because in a way, it's more it's more in keeping with Bob Dylan for me. Like, you know, just this quiet, oh, here's another one I knocked up earlier, you know. just <laughs> And then this other awesome piece of wonderful songwriting appears and uh yeah with just the casual shrug oh here's another one if you like that one i really don't know i don't know why it was done in such a hush hush way i don't know some people said they felt like something was coming the day before but i don't know why or how they knew Hmm. but some people saying oh you know i I kind of thought something was in the works that we were going to get something else and i think some people thought it would be an announcement about the album but mm, yeah, um, I saw some people on Twitter and Facebook chatting about that. But no, I, I don't know why it was done so casually, but I'm so glad we got this song. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, we talked about this on the Murder Most Foul episode where uh, we, again, none of us know. Nobody knows. Anybody out there that tells you they know 
doesn't know anybody, you know, because the people that do know aren't talking. But I got we got the sense for Murder Most Foul that Murder Most Foul was maybe meant for an album at or well, all of this is I guess meant for an album. But I I get the sense just from listening to I Contain Multitudes, and in and in no way do I mean this in a pejorative sense that it's a lesser song or anything like that. Just I get the feeling that. Murder Most Foul, what, in whatever form it existed before it was released, it was then purposely sort of made a big deal of. It was like, okay, we're going to put this out as a specific single, as it were. Again, to use a word that doesn't even really have any you know, parlance anymore. I just get the vibe from this song that this was an outtake. That this was a song right. recorded for some other purpose, and they it didn't make it on, and so he had it in the vaults and thought, why not put it out? Do you get, the, do you get that same read? It feels more like an album song. It's right. the length that I would expect to, of an album song of what, what, four minutes, 38 seconds. Right, right. It's far more personal in comparison to Murder Most Foul. Right. Murder Most Foul is like this grand gesture, a historical moment. This feels more introspective. And so that is more what I would kind of, in my head, put together with an album because Dylan albums tend to tell a story. Right. Uh, they tend to kind of have a narrative that runs through the whole through the whole album. Like So you get kind of, you know, a, an album like Blonde on Blonde from the order of the songs and the continued themes through those songs, even though they pop up in other places in other albums, it's almost like each album has a narrative of its own. And this feels like it's part of more of a narrative. I kind of feel like Titanic, the, the Tempest song on Tempest about the Titanic was a little bit more like the JFK song where it didn't really gel with the album, didn't fit in with the story that the other songs were telling. And uh, the JFK song felt a little bit like that for me. Murder Most Foul felt more like it was a standalone grand gesture, whereas mm -hmm. this is far more introspective and personal and is part of a story, a, a life story. So, yeah, I'd kind of, I think you've got a point there. I wonder how the, I'm, I'm looking forward to figuring out and finding out in the future, you know, which recording sessions these were, who the musicians were, what the story is behind it. But in the meantime, I'm just enjoying the song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, um, now that we have two songs in three weeks, it certainly does seem to suggest that he has been doing recording of new material. We just haven't been hearing about mm, it. That, yeah, I, I, so. I, I don't I don't imagine that Murder Most Foul and this song were cast offs from, you know, Tempest or from together or together through life or modern times. This this stuff's been done in the last five, six years. And now we're just finally getting to hear it, which, of course, suggests that, you know, there's there's <laughs> there's more to come. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I, I definitely think there's a lot of substance in in the rumor of an album coming um, that was recorded probably in December last year, maybe. Mm. Um, th there's rumors about that. There was the Gina Gershon story. Right, and right. and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my head that there might be some substance to that. So I'm looking forward to uh, finding out whether that's real. Please, a whole album. Wow. Hope so, um, hope so. But I think you're right. And to me, I see a lot of people speculating that these were tempest outtakes they don't have that feel to me and i could be wrong i'm not saying that i i'm definitively putting my hat in the ring and saying this was not a tempest outtake but to me just the style his singing style the musicians it just doesn't have that same feel to me and i don't know why 
<laughs> you know, I'm willing to I'm willing to listen to anyone's opinion about what might have happened, but that's my that's my opinion for what it's worth. My yeah. two cents. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's my hunch on it. So okay, so let's talk about the song that we're we're sort of dancing around. This I contain multitudes. Uh, I I quoted the initial lyrics, and then there's verse three. It goes on. A red Cadillac and a black mustache, rings on my fingers that sparkle and flash. Tell me what's next, what shall we do? Half my soul, baby, belongs to you. I rollick and I frolic with all the young dudes. I contain multitudes. I'm just like Anne Frank, like Indiana Jones and then British bad boys, the Rolling Stones. I go right to the edge. I go right to the end. I go right where all things lost or made good again. I sing the songs of experience like William Blake. I have no apologies to make. Everything's flowing all at the same time. I live on a boulevard of crime. I drive fast cars and I eat fast foods. I contain multitudes. Pink pedal pushers, red blue jeans, all the pretty maids and all the old queens. All the old queens from all my past lives. I carry four pistols and two large knives. I'm a man of contradictions. I'm a man of many moods. I contain multitudes. And then the song wraps up with, You greedy old wolf, I'll show you my heart. Not all of it, only the hateful part. I'll sell you down the river. I'll put a price on your head. What more can I tell you? I sleep with life and death in the same bed. Get lost, madame. Get up off my knee. Keep your mouth away from me. I'll keep the path open, the path in my mind. I'll see to it that there's no love left behind. I'll play Beethoven sonatas and Chopin's preludes. I contain multitudes. Wow. Okay. So in four and a half minutes, he's doing uh, a lot of the same sort of uh, dropping of names and places and things that he did in Murder Most mm-hmm. Foul. I mean, we've got, obviously we've got Walt Whitman here. Uh, we've got oh, yeah. Dave, we've got David Bowie, the Rolling Stones. We've got uh, Anne Frank and Indiana Jones. I, I love the, the mentioning of a red Cadillac and a black mustache, which is a song that Bob himself covered in the 80s. Uh, I love his cover of that oh, song. Man. Oh, man. That a, whole Sun Records album is brilliant, but his cover of that song is superb. I have a bootleg of him singing that live in, like, 1985, and it's one of my favorite things he ever did. Uh, it's yeah. one of my favorite covers, so I love that that little mention here. Tara, explain it to me. You know what? <laughs> what's this song <laughs> okay, about, Tara? Well, like, for me, like I said, this song is very introspective. I, I, I like the fact that in the title itself has multiple meanings so i contain multitudes it's a song about how every person is a mixture we're not all good we're not all bad we have all these different influences around us and uh, we can be different people at different times and it's from Walt Whitman's poem is called song of myself right and so i think this is really you know it's a very introspective personal song and i think that's where it comes from and i think that the the line from the whitman poem was um do i contradict myself very well then i contradict myself i am large i contain multitudes and so you know it's addressing all those contradictions that that dylan sees within himself or within humans generally speaking and i really love the sound of it it's for me, I love the reference to Walt Whitman because Walt Whitman has been referenced by Dylan an awful lot mm-hmm. in his songs. And uh, the the one that I remember, I remember posting about this on Facebook years ago, was when he when he did Cross the Green Mountain. There's an entire verse of that that is a direct lift from Walt Whitman. The verse about um, a letter to mother came today, gunshot. Mm-hmm to the breast what it did say that one you know uh, but he won't he won't be better he's already dead that whole verse is an entire um lift from walt whitman's poem called come through the field father and so you know i think there's an awful lot in in dylan's songs that reference american poets um edgar Allan poe 
is another one that comes up in the song who was referenced by Dylan in an awful lot of ways, including in Chronicles. Um, so, yeah, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like all these a mosaic pattern. It's just all these pieces that come together to make a picture. And I just I think this is this song is is really I know Dylan doesn't like using the word sometimes, but nostalgia is what comes to my mind when I listen to it. I feel nostalgic, maybe even nostalgic for something that I've never experienced. <laughs> so, you know, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we have nostalgic feelings for a time and a place, and they might not even have been the way that you imagine them to have been, or maybe it was before you were born or oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. People say, oh, I was born at the wrong time. I wish I could have lived in this period or that period. And I get that feeling from some Dylan, so from some Dylan songs, and and I get that feeling from this one as well. Oh, I and mean, I think, yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any doubt that Bob is uh, nostalgic for the old West, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in yeah, a period so that he never lived in. Uh, it certainly seems that way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it is a timeless song. That first line, tomorrow, uh, today and tomorrow and yesterday too. I think you said that about another song that we were talking about where Dylan's songs are not, you can't place them in one era. It could be any time. And that's what I get from this song as well is that it's just timeless. Yeah. Um, there's a, And it's funny that today and tomorrow uh, makes me think of the, there's a poem by, by Dylan Thomas that has that in today and tomorrow. Uh -huh. and there he apparently Bally Na Lee is an Irish poem. I was not familiar with that. I learned that by looking this up in the song. He talks about, you know, obviously uh, Mr. Poe, uh, the reference to the reference to um, Anne Frank and Indiana Jones. I mean, my mm -hmm. initial reaction was, well, that's kind of weird to put these two characters together because they do have a connection and that it would be Nazis, uh, yep. of course. <laughs> but it, I mean, you know, in a sort of weird way in that, well, one person is real and another person is a cartoon. But then you've yep. got this throning of the throwing in of the Rolling Stones, which sort of just left me like, what? I, OK, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, I mean, he when he talks about I paint landscapes and I paint nudes, I mean, that I'm always so skeptical that 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 uh, of the idea that Bob Dylan is putting in like little clues for his fans because I just feel like he's got something larger in mind than that. But at the right. same time, that line jumps out to anyone who is a f enough of a fan of Bob to know that, in fact, he does just that. He paints landscapes and he paints nude. Definitely. Um, I think there's, there's, also, all, there's often a lot of kind of uh, self-reference in, in his songs. And sometimes it could just be accidental or sometimes it could be very very specific but i think he does reference himself and i that you know I, I like that yet the anne frank verse and indiana jones i was taken aback by the indiana jones i was racking my brains trying to trying to figure out the connection i mean the anne frank connection i can understand the connection he he was obviously raised in a jewish household bob Zim, zimmerman um, sure. during the war i mean literally i mean he was too young to remember yeah, it but literally during the war yeah Absolutely. And so the, the Holocaust would have had an absolutely immense effect on him. And the fact that Anne Frank in the middle of all of that was in the middle of one of the worst moments in human history mm -hmm. of modern times. And yet she was producing this diary that was so personal and so touching, but also 
so full of life and and kind of human tidbits you know it wasn't it wasn't cold it wasn't impersonal it wasn't just a record of what was happening it was a it was a real human piece of writing that she was producing and i think that for for someone like bob dylan that's probably incredibly important and touching uh the indiana jones i i thought nazis first off i've got the raiders of the lost ark but also the kind of cultural level where indiana jones kind of like he dips in and out of all sorts of different cultures and stuff so hmm. i kind of i kind of think of that as being an aspect i mean you know maybe it's cultural appropriation with indiana jones you know he's right. taking idols back to his <laughs> uh, back to his university so that they can have them in a box somewhere but but yeah i mean i think that that verse is really interesting the whole thing uh, the the part on that verse actually so that'd be like probably if you're splitting it up that'd be like the fourth part of the song the verse four i guess so um, yeah. these verses are darn all the same length too which is uh, yes. a little very free form kind of thing yeah absolutely he has that line straight after the rolling stones i go right to the edge i go right to the end i go right where all things lost on made good again now that first of all going to the edge going right to the end i almost thought of the song going going gone from planet waves mm. um i've been living on the edge and i don't yeah yeah that's right you know i just really think that song came to mind for me and maybe that's even why he 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 mentioned the stones in the line before you know i mean they're, they're kind of edgy they've always pushed things and and not behaved in the best way <laughs> um so you know that that was interesting but there, there was um the line i go right where all things lost are made good again now when i looked that up I found there was a reference to the Bible, Corinthians, and it's about accepting Jesus and, and being reborn. And that's uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it's all about how you become new again. All old things are forgotten and you become new again. But there was a line as well in this dream of you on Together Through Life, which made me think of that. There's a moment when all old things become new again, uh, but that moment might have come and gone. Hmm. And, you know, so I kind of, I connected those as well. And that definitely connects to the next part, which is William Blake. Now, William Blake wrote Songs of Innocence and Experience. And that's that's contradiction and dualism too. Um, so that goes with the song really well. Like the the, the innocence is like, the paradise, the childhood innocence, and then the experiences is the fall of man and, you know, recognizing poverty and exploitation and all the, the evils in the world, disease and, and uh, you know, and it's interesting that Dylan only says, I sing the songs of experience like William Blake. So he's singing about the exploitation, the poverty, the problems that men have. Um, and so I thought that was um, an interesting link. And then on that verse, I'll stop being so deep about these things in a minute. But uh, on that verse, again, it says, I live on a boulevard of crime. And it was pointed out to me that the boulevard of crime was the nickname. Right. Yes. For, French um, theater. French theatre, the street where the French theatre was, probably um, Boulevard de Temple or something, Temple Boulevard, and it was called Boulevard of Crime. Now, that's where the movie um, Les Enfants de Paradis, The Children of Paradise, was set on that very boulevard. Oh. And it is said that Dylan, Dylan has spoken about watching that movie when he was doing the Rolling Thunder review and building up Ronaldo and Clara right, with the right. white and the hat with flowers. There's a mime called Baptiste in that film and he has the white face and the big hat with the flowers on the brim and 
Yeah, so, you know, that's the, the connection there that could be taken. And then just to finish that verse off with, I drive fast cars and I eat fast food, I contain multitudes. I mean, it's all of that. Again, it's that shallowness of humans, you know. It's like I can be deep, I can be like William Blake, and I can look at the, the fall of man, and I can look at all the problems that we have in, in the world. But I also like to drive the cars fast and, and eat McDonald's sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, and there was the other verse where he says he, he fusses with his hair. Which verse was that one? I fuss with my hair and I fight blood feuds. Like, you know, one one is just so shallow and primping and vain. But the other is like a blood feud. That is something, um, you know, deep commitment that goes through generations with depths of anger and and holding a grudge. So, you he, know, he pays in blood, but not his own. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what? I, on my notes, when I was listening to it, I wrote pay in blood <laughs> because there was, there was another line. See, like you've got me talking now. That's how I like <laughs> You know, we're in isolation here. I haven't had anyone to talk to for a few days except for Walter, and I think he's fed up of listening to me. Um, I'm doing Walter a solid right now. You are. You really are. He's giving you a, a virtual, what they call them, L bumps, where you're not allowed to, to give a high five. Giving you a virtual album. Um, there is one here. There's a line in this song that especially made me think of um, Blood. And it's about him. Well, there's the line where he carry, I carry four pistols and two large knives, which mm. is a reference of its own. But there was a part in the song, and I'm trying to find the lyric. I've got that many notes. As I listen, I scribble notes. But where he's, you know, he basically threatens people. Ah, it's right at the end. That's, it's in the bridge, actually, that you greedy old wolf part. But he says, I'll show you my heart, but not all of it, only the hateful part. I'll sell you down the river. I'll put a price on your head. And it's almost like, it's a bit like the ain't talking, you know, if I catch my opponents ever sleeping, I'll slaughter them where they lie. And in pay and blood, it says I could stone you to death for the wrongs you've done. And it's, there has been a lot, we were talking about the uh, murder most foul, that there's been a lot of kind of, there's there's touches of violence in all of these songs. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's definitely one. I, I do want to say, if you you are apologizing for going too deep, and I will go very shallow here. In that, <laughs> uh, in that verse we were just talking about, the, after you get to the point about Anne Frank and Indiana Jones and Rolling Stones, I feel like the rest of this is a man talking about being uh, a touring musician. Uh, Bob has right. referred to that in numerous songs. I practice a faith that's been long abandoned. Uh, I know altars on this long and lonesome road. I go right where things lost or made good again, which to me feels like what he's doing with what he did with the Sinatra albums was sort of right. like renewing his muse, which of course he did with kind of with the good as I've been to you and road gone run records. I sing the songs of experience like William Blake. I have no apologies to make everything's flowing all at the same time, which is you could suggest is when, what you're doing when you're mixing all of your songs from the sixties right. to the eighties, the two thousands, the Boulevard of crime. Of course, that's talking about being on a stage. Uh, and then in a very shallow literal, I drive fast cars and I eat fast foods. Well, of course you do that when you're on the road. You're yep. driving fast cars and you're eating fast foods. Now, one thing I put in my notes that I had to mention, which always confounds me, is that this is now the second song where Bob Dylan loves to pluralize something that shouldn't be pluralized. Because when you say you eat fast food, it's singular. You say I eat fast food. You don't say I eat fast foods and he does the same thing in clean cut kid where he sings about he ate burger kings 
he was well fed. And no one would uh-huh. say that. No one says Burger Kings. You just say Burger King. It's it's singular. Yeah. And I'm like, I that That's line and that, that line in Think on Kid is always made me like, why does he why does he pluralize that? And here he is kind of doing it again. That's really interesting. I've never connected that. Yeah. That is that is a really good point. And I like that I like that idea about him being on the road and traveling and touring. I I think um I'd never thought of that, but I, you know, I think it's an integral part of Dylan, obviously. And yeah, I, I can quite see that 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 could be a reference there. Now, um, oh, now, so now you mentioned like the line about carry four pistols, carry four pistols and two inch large knives. That went yeah. by me entirely. So, what is what is in your mind the reference there? Okay, well, apparently it is a direct reference. This is something I got from uh, social media. I like it when people share things. <laughs> there was um, Abraham Lincoln. He had a friend called Ward Hill Lamont. And, or layman, I, I don't know how to say his name. This friend I kind of appointed himself as a, a bodyguard. Uh, he's a pretty big bloke. And there'd been a lot of assassination threats before the inauguration of Lincoln. And when they went to Washington, Ward Hill layman went with him. And he actually wrote, there was, I think it might have been a letter or something. And he says, I, I carry four pistols and two large knives to protect Lincoln. And so oh, it's wow. actually okay. it's actually a direct reference to Abraham Lincoln's friend and bodyguard, Ward Hill Lehman. Huh. Or Lamont. It's L A M O N, however you want to say his name. <laughs> hmm. Um yeah, so that 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 was a really interesting link. I I loved it when I read that. I thought, ooh yeah. because I know that Dylan's very interested in all that period of American history and Yes. Yeah, that was uh that 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 was a really good link. Huh. Okay. That's uh, that, see now that's funny because I'm I'm continuing as I'm going through these verses, the pink pedal pushers, red blue jeans, all the pretty maids and all the old queens, all the old queens from my past lives. That I always again I, I and and maybe I'm I mean again, there's no definitive right or wrong of here. I, but I mean the the line about all the old queens from all my past lives, I always took that as not always, God, this song's been around a week. I act like I've been living with this song for years. <laughs> but I mean you know, it feels like it, I guess. I've already listened to it like a thousand times since since it yeah. came out. But I mean all the old queens from all my past lives, they to me those feel like those are songs. I'm bringing up right. all the old queens from all my past lives. I'm I'm singing this song from 1965. That was the life I was leading here, but here it is again. Right. You know, right. he's bringing that up again. And and it, it, I mean, we know that Bob is constantly refers to himself as this performer. He thinks about himself in that mm-hmm. context. And I don't believe for one moment that this song was written in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. uh, or in, or even in the last month, because like. You almost wonder, is a guy who thinks of himself as much as a, of a touring musician as Bob does, is he – Is he? We, and we talked about this on their Murder Most Foul episode. Does he feel yeah. silenced because he can't tour right. because of this? But the, the odds that this was written and recorded in the last month seem highly unlikely. I wouldn't think so. I mean that that's really interesting and his, his, his songs do mention Queens an awful lot, mm-hmm. um, both in the lyrics and in the titles. But also um, his backing singers in the eight. 80- were the queens of rhythm hmm. carolyn dennis queen esther uh, moreau and madeline quebec they were the queens of rhythm so that's another queen link there and uh yeah that's it's really that's really interesting putting it next to all the pretty maids and all the old queens uh, i like that combination pretty maids again we were talking about nursery rhymes last time there's that nursery rhyme mary right. mary quite quite contrary and we're talking about this song being a, a song of contradictions silver bells cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row um but yeah it's um it is a really interesting uh, verse that one and i like the fact that 
the pink pedal pushers and the red blue jeans that's Carl Perkins and Gene Vincent and I think I my dad was really into rock and roll and he had a Jerry Lee Lewis album and I'm sure pink pedal pushers was on there I can remember singing along and I and I know it's a Carl Perkins song we got the Gene Vincent song red blue jeans and it's that kind of innocence to it you know the the young girls and milkshakes in in the shops and and uh I like, there's, there's like a feeling of this, again, it's all about contradictions and different things. And we were talking about in the, when we were talking about I Want You, we were talking about the different types of women in Dylan's song. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you've got like the kind of the, the innocent girls, you've got the, the older women, you know, and then later on, obviously, in the last verse, we've got we've got a lady in that verse who isn't quite so welcome. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I, I really like that. I like the way that it's all, uh, there's a mixture of uh, youth and experience, innocence and, uh, again, experience. And that, that balance is always there yeah. throughout the song. I really like that. I mean, I, as we go through this, I mean, I hear that quote in my mind. I believe it was Johnny Cash who said that Bob Dylan has so many sides he's round, uh, <laughs> you know, which I love. I love that quote. And and but I mean, like going, we're going into the, the final verse. And again, I keep going back to the same idea that this is a a, a portrait that a self-portrait. Obviously, it's got the eye for Pete's sake, but it's a self-portrait yeah. about bob as or this or a person as a as a as a working creative person because he's you greedy you greedy old wolf i'll show you my heart all i a greedy old wolf could be your record company it could be Mm. anybody that is demanding something of you like say his audience Uh, i hate to (laughs) i hate to look in a mirror but i mean there it is you know uh but but i'll show you my heart but not all of it only the hateful part i'll only show part of who i am not not all of me mm-hmm. um i mean it, it, again that re- re- makes me recall an interview he gave a bunch of years ago where he talked about the songs are not my life i have mm-hmm. a personal life and it's all filled up uh which right. i thought was interesting um i'll sell you down the river i'll put a price on your head well these are these are creations that he is then selling he's putting right. out into the marketplace and in some cases he's selling them for commercial you know, to, to be commercial jingles. Right. I'll put a price on your head. What more can I tell you? I sleep with life and death in the same bed. It's this kind of like, oh, okay, you know, there's good and bad here. Get, right. get lost, madame. Get up off my knee. Keep your mouth away from me, which, again, you could be literal. It's a woman, but mm-hmm. it could also just be someone who demands something of you. And yep. you're uncomfortable with that. I keep the path open, the path in my mind. I'll see to it that there's no love left behind and then he goes back to music i'll play sonata i'll play beethoven sonatas and chopin's preludes i could see multitudes so to me it's like mm-hmm. the more i listen to this and i will say the first time i heard the song i it, it dropped as we all know at like midnight and right. i played it uh, i was laying in bed and i played it and the first time i heard it i i was like eh, i don't know this just seems kind of formless it seems more of this kind of talk singing that he's right. doing and i i was like i don't know well i'll listen to it again tomorrow and then of course like with most Bob Dylan songs. I grew to love it. You know, I grew. Yeah. I got, it deepened in me, and i I love his. I love his vocal performance. I love when he when he does the part about. Um, I'll I'll show you my heart, and I love that, but not all of it. Like it almost sounds like he, that, that doesn't sound like singing at all. It sounds like he almost just thought of it in his mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'll show you my heart, but not all of it. Like it's kind of like this interjection. He's got that timing. Of, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Really he's uh, he's a very funny guy, and this there is yeah. a lot of humor in this performance in yep. the way he sings it, which again is delightful because so a lot of people don't think of him as particularly funny, but you know people that have really followed him know he is very funny. Yep, absolutely. I I I 
I think you're spot on with that. I, I, what I really liked about that last verse, the get lost, madam, get up off my knee, that made me think of uh, things have changed. You know, there's a woman on my mm. lap and she's drinking champagne. Oh, right, and, right. Um, you know, there's a few lines in that song. Oh, my gosh, things have changed. Um, <laughs> I, I wear a bracelet that has things have changed written on it because it's like that's my, <laughs> that's my spirit animal is things have changed. But that quote apparently was from... Uh, that get lost, madam, was somebody tracked it down on Expecting Rain discussion forum to being uh, a, a quote from a book of Paris street tales. Wow. And a story called Rue Pigalle. And somebody says to a woman, get lost, madam. And then the, the, the second part, like keep your mouth away from me. There is another Irish poem, a Gaelic poem called Keep Your Mouth to Yourself. Ooh, and it was okay. translated by Lord Longford. It's a couple of hundred years old. Keep your kiss to yourself, young miss with the white teeth. I can get no taste from it. Keep your mouth away from me. And that is, um, that's another Irish poem. Yeah, and the, the path open, I just, I see that as being creativity. I see that as being, you know, keep the path open, the path in my mind. The path I, in I my just, mind, yeah. yeah. I just really see that as being a reference to him still creating things, still being open to new experiences, still making new, you know, new songs, new poems, new paintings, whatever it is that tickles his fancy. But I think he, he's definitely talking about his creativity there. I, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really good way to finish the song. He's a real handy dandy, this one, you know? <laughs> he really he is. is. With the ring splashing on his fingers as well. Like, that's another one. Um, that's another nursery rhyme, isn't it? Um, oh, ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross to see a white lady upon a fine horse, uh, or fine lady upon a white horse. With rings on her fingers and bells on her toes, she shall have music wherever she goes. And that as well, that line, I'm, I'm jumping backwards and forwards here, but this song is... Uh, this lots and lots song, of reps. Yeah, this, this song I, inspires I that. I just love it. Yeah. That made me think, as I was listening up for probably the 10th, 15th, 20th time to the song, it made me think about um, where else have I heard rings on their fingers in Dylan's songs, you know, and what do they symbolize for him, you know? So you've got uh, William Zanzinger, you know, he, um, mm -hmm. he, he mentions his diamond ring finger. And then the Egyptian ring that sparkles before she speaks in uh, She Belongs to Me. It, it, I think the, the rings and the flashy, uh, they, they symbolize something. They symbolize kind of material power or control or, you know, of a situation. And so I thought that was a really interesting little, little bit to put in. The um, the woman that the narrator ostensibly is asked, would you have married her? I don't know, I suppose. And Caribbean wind has bells in her braids that hung to her toes. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> I always have so that song in my brain. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's never oh, far from my, my frontal really lobe. I like Caribbean wind. Yeah. yeah. I love that song. Yeah, there's so many cross-references. I mean, I started going through... And there's just there's too many to count. You know, I think people online are really trying to break it down and trying to trying to analyze where each line comes from and each cross reference. Do you, and do you think let me, <laughs> I want to ask you this? Because this is just occurring to me. Do you think that we're all spending all this time trying to find these these back references to his own work? And is it possible that Bob himself is not doing any of that? But it's simply that when you have written 500 songs you were going to use the same motifs at some point? Like, it's like there's only so many words in the English language. You know what? That That is really interesting. That's funny. I, I like that thought. I had the thought of, like, somebody saying to Dylan, oh, I like the way you reference Shakespeare in that. And he's like, he'd be like, 
I did. Oh, well, yeah, right. that's cool. You know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. I mean, he obviously reads so much. He's got a very wide range of reference points. And like you say, when you've written so much and you've read so much and you've lived so much, maybe to him, he's just popping, popping those references in. And I often wonder, like, I know that there are, there's kind of two sets of fans, right? Like there's the fans that really love going into detail and tracking all of these links and references down and connections. And then there's the fans who say, just listen to the music. Right. Those links and stuff don't don't matter. I'm always like for myself, I try and control myself because I'm just the kind of person that does like looking at links and references. Like that's just something I've ever, even when I was a child, you know, if I found two two things that were linked, like if I watched a TV show and they referenced a book that I'd read, I would be over the moon that I'd noticed a, a link between two things. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. um, you know, and I love research and, and all that kind of thing. So, and I know that some of the fans get irritated by it and think that you go too deep and I can understand their feeling on it. And I wonder what Bob thinks about it, you know, because some of them will say fans seem to, to, to often think they know what Bob Dylan would say, and it would quite strangely be exactly the same thing that they'd say. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I've been told by fans, you know, Dylan would hate it if he knew that you were looking up all the... I've actually been told this by, by people on Facebook. You know, Dylan would laugh in your face if he saw that you were doing this research. And, and... I'm betting that was mostly by men. Gosh, how did you get... <laughs> Just the population, but yes, mostly it's, guys. It's, assuming it's, that, yeah, yeah, it's like just listen to the music and keep your nose out of it, and um, yeah. So I have been told that before, and a part of me kind of thinks, yeah, I can see that point of view, but I think that in a way you're missing a lot if you don't at least start thinking about the connections and the other layers that are in the songs. I mean, yes, there is a superficial layer to them, but I don't know. I, I get more fun and enjoyment talking about all these little coincidences and sideways jumps. And, uh, you know, I think this is another song that, that ticks all of those boxes for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all about the intent, as with most things, it's all about the intention. I mean, I, I we're not going through this uh, and, and pulling out references to 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 deconstruct it to to sort of like uh, destroy it. I, I'm doing it because like, look, I enjoy I engaged in this song with my headphones in laying in bed and listening to this and saying wow this is great this is the guy that's just offering more and and he's offering this particular mood at this particular moment and there's all these yeah. fun references and it doesn't it doesn't uh, to me it, it doesn't reduce the song to me it it, it, yeah. it envelops it. It, it 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 enriches it i mean to say absolutely uh, and so yeah i mean yeah sometimes some of bob's lines are just a fish that walks and a dog that talks sometimes it's yeah. just nonsensical words and that's fine yep. too but mm -hmm. I don't think you could – I mean, I think anytime you're naming a song after a line from a Walt Whitman poem, you're – you know, you really are – stole out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, I, I really yeah. can't believe you're like, oh, really? There's there's multiple layers in my song that I name-checked William Blake and Walt Whitman? <laughs> I mean, come on. What are you talking about? I enjoy – this this thicket of references that that is Bob Dylan's brain at this point, and he is he is sharing with with all of us what it's like to be in his head for that moment, um, right. and what it's like to be in that room with these musicians. Again, we we didn't really talk too much. We didn't really talk much about the music yeah. of this song. It's very spare accompaniment. I mean, this at this point. I know there was this tension for the longest time that Bob seemed to very much separate his touring band from his studio bands and, and right. never the twain did meet. And apparently the touring band, there was some bad blood there. Cause it was a little like, Hey, why, you know, we're good enough to be on the road. Why can't we be on these records? And then finally he merged the two things. 
And I mean, it really is after, you know, however many records, eight or nine records at this point where he's been mm-hmm. recording with these guys, these guys can handle anything he throws at them. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's a very, it's very spare accompaniment, but it's beautiful and it fits it mm-hmm. exactly to where it's just this sort of back, this kind of quiet backing as this guy is just sort of talking out loud again. Yeah. Like it's like, he's like, you're sitting in a cafe somewhere and there's this guy is just sort of muttering to himself and you're kind of maybe overhearing him a little and at maybe at another table, you know, eating a, a, some bread and drinking some wine is Tony Garnier and, and you know, the other guys doing this. It's a, yep. it's a very beautiful tune. It is. It really is. And I think that that's another point is that even though I do like to go in and, and like kind of analyze all the references to poetry or literature and, and whatnot, it doesn't take away that emotional connection which you have first before the intellectual connection like i listened to this song and it actually did move me you know it it, the the combination of dylan's voice how he expresses the words how he vocalizes and the music it's it's a really nice uh piece that that it it kind of uh i I used the word before the nostalgia it 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 really hit me and made me feel like a yearning for something or you know i i just it hit me emotionally first, and then my intellect says, like, okay, so what's that bit there? Did I hear him right? And, you know, that's um, that's when you start kind of looking deeper into it. But I just, I, I love the emotion. I think the musicians did a fantastic job on this. Like you say, they've worked with Dylan for so long now that I think they, they know exactly what he's looking for and uh, react to him very very well because uh i think they wouldn't still be around if, if they didn't and uh yeah they did a beautiful job on it it's so understated and it hits the spot but uh definitely it, it, it's a song that connects with me probably on an emotional level more than murder most foul i know some people found that one really uh emotional mm-hmm. maybe because i'm i'm british and maybe because it's you know i can empathize with it from a distance but i didn't live through it and i you know it's not a part of my country's history so even though i understand the importance of uh john f kennedy and the assassination it, it doesn't connect to me the same way as it would do to someone who is american and lived through it whereas you know the songs that are more about those introspective personal songs i always find something to connect with and you know bob a lot of times in his songs are are is is sort of casting his his eye outward, you know, big, and that's what Murder Most Foul is, and then he's going inward, and that's what what this is. I mean, I again, it, it's 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 we Dylan fans are so greedy because I mean, good lord, the man has put out thirty five original records at this point, and plus however many reams of bootleg series and all these things, yep. and yet you know, and now he's dropping songs in the middle of this pandemic that we're all living through, and of course, you know, the immediate discussion is, oh, two new songs, there must be more. You know, it's never enough. It's never, never you know, I mean, we are, we are that wolf, you know, we are that greedy old wolf. We really are. There you go. Um, And, you know, but I mean, it's, again, it's, it's, it's an, it's an extraordinary gift that he is doing this. You have to assume, and he's got to assume, he's got to know that his audience has got to assume that we are assuming more is coming at this point and that that there's material stockpiled up. And, and I have to say, Tara, I have to assume you and I will be back in about two weeks to discuss yet another song (laughs) at this point. I'm just keeping my diary free for the, for the rest of the year there. So anything that gets dropped, no, it, it, it is, we, we are kind of greedy but we love it so much i think we should just take what 
Dylan has given us and just enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Oh, be before we finish talking, there was one thing that I wanted to, to drop a nod to. Um, there's an essay by Christopher Rollison, who does a lot of work on um, Dylan and poetry, and he wrote about Edgar Allan Poe and Bob Dylan. Mm. Uh, he's got an essay called Telltale Signs, Edgar Allan Poe and Bob Dylan towards a model of intertextuality. And it's a really interesting read, actually. It's not that long of an essay, but he, you know, he talks about the thematic links between Bob Dylan and Edgar, Al Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, but the one point he made in that essay, which I thought was really interesting, that I'll leave you with, with as far as this song goes, because I think this song kind of encapsulates the idea, is he said one thing about Bob Dylan and Edgar Allan Poe is that they straddle... Um, the 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 gulf between high culture and mass culture mm. um and he said like Edgar Allan Poe started with high culture he started with literature but over time um almost by osmosis i guess his his writing and his poetry and his work has seeped into common culture through movies through songs through animations through comic books through everything um so you know, everybody knows who Edgar Allan Poe is. Everybody knows about the Raven. Everybody knows about, you know, the Pit and the Pendulum or, or uh, you know, all those other, uh, what's the Red Mask and all that. That that It's just in culture. And Dylan has done the same thing, but he's kind of started from a point of music for the masses. And now he's reached this point where he's got this literary respectability, especially since the Nobel Prize. Mm. And so, you know, the, these two American... Uh, geniuses have really got a lot in common and, and if anyone listening is interested in in Edgar Allan Poe and Bob Dylan the, the, I can really recommend the Christopher Rollison essay it is online for free you can get the pdf for free online just by searching for it the other thing I found last night which is really interesting is there is a video on YouTube of Liam Clancy reciting the last from Bali Nali uh, which is a poem called Mary Hines that's what you have to search on YouTube um but it's it's a great uh, recitation. I mean, Liam Clancy's just amazing, and you can see why why Bob Dylan would have just uh, you know really connected with that. Wow. So if anyone's interested, that's just something I found while I was busy uh, pottering around looking for things for for this podcast, wow. and I thought people might like to listen to it. So have a look for those bits online, and uh, you know, if you're interested, yeah. and, uh, see what see what the song's all about. <laughs> But yeah, it's a great song. As always, it's the tip of the iceberg for this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it's just so deep. You can just learn so much about it. So it's it's amazing and it's just great. Again, I didn't think you and I would have been doing the Murder Most Foul show and now we're here doing another one. So once again, thank you so much for, for joining me on this emergency episode of Pod Dylan. I, you know, I always enjoy talking to you and I love we have this uh, we have this set up now. We, we're like Bob's yep. standing band. We just have to be ready at any moment for when the, the muse strikes him. So thank you once again tara you're very welcome i i do like i do like coming on and uh and talking about the songs so thank you very much for asking me again in this emergency and uh you know hope everyone's looking after themselves and keeping safe and and uh yeah i mean who knows same time next month maybe so maybe so yeah um we of course we will have the link to tara's website on in the show notes uh, if you want to follow uh this show you can subscribe to it on an apple podcast stitcher spotify and on our website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can follow us on twitter at pod underscore dylan and you can support the fire and water podcast network at patreon.com slash fw podcast where you can unlock various rewards so a big thanks to robert ward and another pledger who will remain mass and anonymous for their support of pod dylan 
So again, thanks everybody for listening for this emergency episode of Pod Dylan. We'll have more episodes uh, out of numbered sequence continuing after this because we still have other shows in the can featuring again one with Tara that has still has not dropped yet, even though we recorded wow. it like two months ago because Bob keeps yep. putting out songs. But we'll, we'll we'll catch up eventually. So again, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you later. Bye bye. You greedy old wolf, I'll show you my heart. But not all of it, all of the hateful parts. I'll sell you down the river, I put a price on your head. What more can I tell you? I sleep with life and death in the same bed. Get lost, madam, get up off my knee, keep your mouth away from me. I'll keep the path open, the path in my mind. I see to it that there's no love left behind. I play Beethoven sonatas, Chopin's preludes. I contain multitudes.